Last time we, uh, we did, we did uh, play, we had some fun with money, and, and uh, I think everybody got their money back that, that gave the money. Just want to clarify that, uh, because, uh, no, I gave it to your husband. Now, he owes you five. Huh? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I have a witness. Anyways, uh, yeah, we, we talked last week of not, not putting our hope in money or stuff which are so uncertain, you know, and, and, you know, our hearts easily turn towards these things. We've got to watch it. We've got to be careful. We're, we're in a very affluent society, believe it or not. We have a lot to, that, that uh, you know, we're very prosperous, we're very rich in terms of Compared to the rest of the world, we're up there in the 90s, a 90 percentile of, you know, have more than, you know, 90% of the rest of the world. And some of us, you know, we're even in the 99%, really. We have got so much. And so the danger is really for us to be proud about it, for our hearts to turn to what we have. But rather, he tells Timothy, rather, to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share, to give away. And Jesus said it too, didn't he? He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And there is a blessing in giving. And Val was kind of alluding to that, that we were able to give and we got blessed. You know, we got blessed uh, with the people. Two, two little stories I want to share about that because I, 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 meant, I just thought of them. Number one, uh, there was a guy that uh, came in and... Uh, and I greeted him, and I said, oh, man, I'm so glad you're still alive. And one of the guys here goes like, that's really a weird way to greet somebody. And he's an older gentleman. And, and so I said, wait, 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 there's a backstory. There's a story to that because, you know, unless you know that, you're going to say that is kind of a weird, why would you say that to some guy? Well, I got a phone call. This is many months back. And by uh, this, this gentleman's daughter saying, my dad is really, really sick, and you need to go see him, like, right away. So I said, okay, I'll go. So I went over there to where he lived, and, and he's sitting there, you know, in the lobby with a bunch of other people, um, just talking. I'm going, like, he doesn't really look too sick to me. And so we went, and we, we talked, and, I, and he, you know, I, th- I guess kids worry about their parents. And she's maybe a little over-worried. And he's fine. This was, you know, months and months ago. So that's why I greeted him like that. And, but, but isn't it true? I'm so glad you're still alive. I mean, because, you know, when we lose people, it's very sad. It's very hard. So, you know, we've all lost people, some of us recently. So I'm so glad you're still alive and that you're here today. I want to say that to you, too, as well. And the second thing was um, Miss Annie, who was here uh, who said she was at a loss for words, which is not true. Don't even believe that. That doesn't happen, does it? So, you know, she, she had gone over to this hotel place, a motel kind of thing, and wanted, uh, you know, to have some of these folks come. And she just went over there, and she, was, she went over there, and they kind of like just said, no, nah, we're not really interested. And so she came back, and she was so disappointed, like, like she had failed. Like, you know, these people weren't going to come or whatever. And uh, so I tried to encourage her. I said, you know, it's okay. God knows, you know. And, and, then, and then a little while later, um, 
I, I went outside, and there was two guys that were working outside, just kind of keeping an eye and, and, you know, helping people know where to go in and everything. And they said that some gal stopped by and saw the sign out front, which isn't even ours. We let them put that sign out there, right, about the North Kingstown Chorus, or whatever it's called. We let them put that up just as a courtesy to, you know, uh, the gal who lives in the neighborhood. And so uh, she saw that, so she pulled up and said, oh, are you having a concert today? And uh, they go, well, no, but we're having a dinner. Would you like to come? And she said, yeah. And so she said, i got to go home and, and see if there's someone there. Maybe they'd like to come too. So we thought, okay. So she went home, and, and uh, then she came back. And the person that she was talking to couldn't come or whatever. So she came, but she came back by herself. She lives in the neighborhood here. And so she came in, and guess who got to sit with her? Miss Annie, who was so disappointed, and she got to just talk with this gal and share with her. And, and uh, is that incredible or what? Yeah. It's funny. It's the things that you least expect, the things, you know, like, uh, you know, we're just letting them have that sign out on the corner. It's not going to help us any. But God uses everything, doesn't he? He used that to get a gal in here who we didn't know. She didn't know us. And uh, God uses things sometimes that we just don't know. So I wanted just to throw those things in there well. Be, be generous, willing to share, because giving really is a part of really living. Part of taking hold of the life that God's given to us is learning how to give. Learning how to give away what we have. Not to hold on to it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Now today, in the last verses of 1 Timothy, it's really the final exhortation. We're at the very last two verses of this book, one of the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote to train uh, Timothy and other leaders how to, how to uh, serve and how, to, uh, how a church should be set up and all the rest of it. And his final exhortation to Timothy is found. Let's read these verses, verses 20 and 21. He says there, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. The first thing he says is to guard it. To guard it. And, and my question when I read this, well, what is he asking him to guard? Guard what? Was he asking him to guard his stuff? You know, we just looked at that with the, the last passage. He said, basically, you need to give away yourself. You need to be generous. You need to, to share with others, to do good. Use what you have to, to, to open hearts to really to, gospel, to the gospel of Jesus. So he's not talking about guarding our stuff. That doesn't mean you, you, know, you put your, um, you know, all your stuff out on the front lawn. Because believe me, around here, if you put your stuff out on the front lawn or by the street... Guess what happens? It's gone. Because people think, oh, they're throwing that away. So, you know, you need to take care, be responsible. I'm not saying you don't, you know, it includes the resources that we have to take care of that. But I think the primary application of this, I think the primary application is to, 
the truths of the faith. And then from that, the principle really applies to a few other things, many, many other things, of course, but three things that I've, uh, that I've chosen today, the call to serve our walk with God and, and relationships and family. So this idea of guarding, really, it was a military term, and I was thinking, well, if I could get somebody to bring in like a gun, a rifle or something, and stand right here and like guard. Any of you ever did guard duty in the, in the service? You know what that's like, right? You have, to, you have to be alert, you have to be vigilant, you have to be ready no matter what. And you're always watching and you're, you're looking out. And, and that's the kind of idea that, that Paul is, is giving to Timothy here. It, it, it also applied to like shepherds who were, you know, watching and guarding over their flocks. To stand guard, he says. But he says this here in verse 20. He says, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Guard what has been entrusted to your care. That's important to know. That's important to think about what he's saying. And, and somebody called it this a sacred trust. Why? Because it's a trust that has been given to us by who? By God. God gave a trust to Timothy. God gave him that trust. And so as we're looking at these ideas and thoughts, keep in mind that, that God has given that trust. He's entrusted Timothy with that, but we need to apply that to ourselves as well. What has God entrusted to me with? Maybe it is resources to guard it, but part of guarding it is being vigilant about how it's being used and using it wisely and being generous and, and sharing with others. But I, I think there are some other things that we can talk about too. So the first thing that he, that he looks at here is the truth. The truth. Why do you say that? Why? Because the very first order of business in this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy was dealing with false teaching and false teachers. The very first thing. And so now at the end of the letter, the very last thing he deals with is this idea of false teaching and false teachers. He kind of comes full circle. And so for Paul, that was like the most important thing that, that the, the solid teaching would be guarded and protected. The solid teaching, he, it needed to be guarded. It needed to be you know, vigilant over where this teaching is coming from. And, and of course, you and I have the advantage of having the whole book, the whole Bible, right, that we can... That we can check this stuff out. Is it biblical? That's our, that should always be our first question. But I, but I like what Jude said here in uh, Jude verse 3. He said, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, he wanted to write about salvation. He says, but I, I, had, I felt like I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. To contend for the faith, to fight for the faith. To, get, to guard it and contend for it. And, and, and that includes you and I. You and I are the saints. This faith that has been once and for all entrusted to us, to you as well, not just the theologians, not just somebody who is in a, you know, a, a seminary somewhere or some you know, place of higher learning. You and I have the truth. It's been entrusted to us. You have a, a part to play in all that. You, each one of you, each, each one of us has a part to play in that. To guard against false teaching. To guard against false teachers. We have to keep our eyes open. We have to, 
uh, keep in mind that you and I have a responsibility. Guard it. Guard it, Paul told Timothy. The truth. Contend for the faith. So how do we do that? That's a big question, isn't it? How do we do that? I want you to turn ahead to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Because Paul says basically the same thing again. Look at 2 Timothy. Turn ahead one page. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul tells Timothy, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. The first thing he says is to, to keep as the pattern of sound teaching the the things that Paul was teaching them. Now, you and I know that the, the sound teaching includes all of the Word of God. So for you and I to keep focused on the Word, we, we've got to have the Word in our lives or, or we're pretty much like sitting ducks for false teaching and false teachers. And, and we talked as we've been going through this letter about some of the false teaching that's out there. It's out there today seeking to pull people in, make disciples after people, rather than after Jesus, false teaching of all different kinds. And then he says in verse 14, he says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. See, he doesn't leave us. God never asks us to do something unless he gives us the strength, the power, the ability to do it. Isn't that cool? I think that's so cool. He doesn't ask me to do something and then not give me what I need to do it. So with the, the help of the Holy Spirit living in me, I can actually do what God's called me to do. That's an important thing, you know. Because you might be saying, well, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this or that, but I really can't do it. I don't have what it takes to do that. But God can give you what you need to do that. He's, he gives it to me every single day, every single week. He gives me what I need. I don't have it. It's not something that's, you know, uh, that I had uh, in and of myself. It's what God gives, you see. And, and for us to know that, that keeps us from getting pry, uh, proud too, right? Because we know where it came from. It came from Him. So guard it. How do you guard it? You guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Guard the truth. Look over the truth. The second part of that, I think, is, is something I've already mentioned, that we really know, we need to know the Word. We need to be in the Bible. We need to study the Word. We need to know the truth. We need to know what God's Word says. I, as you know, I do a chapel service over at, at uh, West Bay, and uh, my, uh, my first two words uh, to them each and every time I go there is, what are my two favorite subjects? Can anybody tell me, except Val, and, and except Garrett, I mean Reese? See, they're there, they know. My two favorite subjects are Jesus and the Bible, right? In, in that order, because Jesus gave us the Bible, right? He is the Word, and He gave us the Word. But, but to, to have a relationship with Jesus, number one, you've got to know Jesus. You've got you to be born again. You've got to have Him in your life. If you don't, you're lost, I was lost until I found Jesus, until Jesus found me, until I asked him into my life to save me, to change me, to forgive me, to give me a brand new life. 
That's my number one favorite subject. But the second favorite subject is the Word of God, the Bible. So for you and I to know the Word, it's absolutely essential. And how are we going to do that? You know, we have opportunities. We have Christian radio in our country. We heard a teaching by a gentleman who's in Hungary. He says, you know, he loves to come home because he can just turn on the radio and hear Christian radio, Christian teaching, all kinds of stuff. He's not, not like that in Hungary. Not like that in so many places around the world. You have Bibles. You probably have two or three versions at home, right? How many of them do we open? We can go on the Internet. We can get Bible studies. We can get all of our questions answered on the Internet from reliable sources. There's a lot of unreliable sources, too. Be careful. So, but for you and I, I think, I think we gotta, we got to be simple. I, I'm a, a real believer in simplicity that, that we, just, we need to open the book. And you just need to read it. You just need to read it. That's the starting point. You know, forget about knowing all the, the, the ins and outs of you know, theology. If you don't even open the book, that, you know, you got to start somewhere. Now, does that mean every time you open the book and you read it, you're going to understand everything you read? No. But does that stop you from reading? Don't let it. Open the book. Know the book. How are you going to guard what you don't even know? Right? You can't guard something you don't know. So open the book. We'll get to that, uh, that subject more in a little bit. The, the third thing found here in verse 20, uh, back in 1 Timothy 6, he says to turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. You know, he, turn away from stuff that is like time-wasting. We waste a lot of time. Do you waste any time in your life? I waste a lot of time. Like, and then you go like, wow, I just wasted like three hours. And where did it all go? He says sometimes we need to turn away from godless chatter and these things, these opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. Now, the, 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 set, the setup for that, what he's trying to say there, is what was going on in that day and age, and what kind of continued for centuries, this idea of what they call Gnosticism. And, and that's just a, 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 from the Greek word gnosis, which is knowledge. That's all that is. It's from the Greek word for knowledge. And so he's saying this idea of falsely... Uh, the opposing idea is what's falsely called knowledge. There was this idea, and this is way simplified, but, but even then it was a, a simplified form of it, that there was a secret knowledge that you could get. Well, let me take you into the deeper knowledge, the deeper truth of this, and, and, and that's what he was talking about there. He says, no, th what we're talking about here is, is something that's been out in the open, is that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins that he was buried, that he rose from the dead, and that as we trust in him, as we believe and receive, we become children of God. And, and there's no secret knowledge for those in the inner circle, the inner you know, sect. He's saying, watch out, because that was a very prevalent false teaching of that day, of that time. There are kind of uh, still kind of concepts of that floating around today, it's not called Gnosticism. You don't say the G. It's not called Gnosticism, but other things where, you know, we, we've really got the, you know, some deeper understanding of this. And if you come to our group, we are going to help enlighten you about the deeper truths of this particular subject. 
Once people start saying that to you, watch out, be careful, watch out, red light, go on. Because Jesus Christ was crucified, it says he was out in the open. People could see. As a matter of fact, they, you know, there's, there's a debate about exactly where he was crucified, but there's a place called Gordon's Calvary, which uh, could very well be the place. And it's like out in the open, and like it's up on this hill, and, and it, the place of the skull, you can kind of see the, kind of the image of a skull in this cliff. And right below it is like right now there's a bus station there where it's just buses in and out, traffic. Jesus was crucified out in the open. You don't get some secret decoder ring, you know, to figure this out. No. Someone wrote this. He said, the Gnostics of Paul's day claimed to lead their disciples past the common herd of mere believers to a superior and gifted circle. Rubbish. Rubbish. That's like, well, you know, we're, we're going to take you up into the top tier of those who really understand. No, no. Has it been happening in our day and age? Yeah, it has. Some of the dangers of, I'll, I'll just mention a few, and these are not all bad in and of themselves, but they have kind of taken away from the, the truth of the Scripture, the truth of God's Word, uh, things called intellectualism and rationalism, modernism, definitely liberalism, and something called higher criticism. Now, uh, if you've heard that term before, higher criticism, you, you know, there are some aspects of it that are good, that are right, but they, they've kind of taken it to another level, and, and there is th this idea that we have got this higher understanding. And we, we and, and, and for the most part, when they go in that direction, they, they begin to denigrate the Word of God and to uh, kick out the foundations. I just saw this scripture in Psalms, you know, if the foundations are being destroyed, what will the righteous do? We've got to have our foundations set so that we won't be pulled out. The, the disastrous effects of it, we see that in verse 21. He says there that some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith, deviated, wandering from the truth, wandering from faith, from the truths of the faith to error is a dangerous thing. Turn back to 2 Timothy again. See, Paul, he, he just keeps hammering these ideas to Timothy. Why? Because he wants him to be clear. He wants him to know you've got to be, wa be watching. You've got to be on guard. You've got to watch out for these things because it's, it's going to happen. When Paul took the elders of Ephesus aside in Acts chapter 20, he said, you know what? I'm telling you now, there will be men who will rise up and they will be false teachers. You must watch out for them, he said to these elders. Be on your guard, he said. They're going to want to pull disciples away, even from your own midst. Watch out, he said, because people will rise up and, and teach false doctrine. Look at, at, at chapter 2, verse 16 through 19. He says there, avoid godless chatter. We saw that already. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. 
Have any of you ever had gangrene? You are lucky. I haven't had it either. But it's horrible, isn't it? It's a very horrible thing. He says, your teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They were still teaching. They were still purporting to give out truth, but they wandered away from it. They'd left the truth behind because we've got, we've got a better kind of understanding of this. They say that the resurrection had already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. They destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. The Lord knows those who are His. He says they wandered away from the truth. Paul's warning Timothy, and I think we need to be warned today as well. Watch out. Stick close as you can to the Word of God. Stay close to the truths of the gospel. Uh, Paul said, you know, I, it, it, I, you know, I could say a lot of words, he says, but, but most importantly that I would talk about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I'm going to stay true to the heart of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. James, uh, I found an interesting verse and it, up on the screen here. James says this, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, who, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So there were people that were wandering from the truth, but he's saying, you know what? Sometimes we need to be helping them to come back. Bring them back. Wait, the Bible doesn't say that. That's not what the Bible says, that, that this thing that you're talking about here. It says we actually help to save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. How about to be discerning? We need to be discerning, right? Anybody know what Acts 17.11 says? That's not 7.11. 17.11. Anybody know what that says? You're nodding your head. What does it say? I believe that Paul says that Jews are more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily as they should be taught. That's right. They were, the, the Bereans were nor, more noble than the Thessalonians, he says, because they heard what Paul was saying, but they didn't just take it at face value. They said they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. So we need to be discerning just because somebody in a, in a robe, like what I'm wearing today, uh, gets up and says something to you, or gets up in, in front of a group of people and says something to you, doesn't mean you say, oh yeah, okay, great, that must be true. Somebody who has a, a, a program, a, a radio or television program, whatever, and if we, don't, if we don't know the word, we can't compare it to the word, Right? So to be discerning, and then, and then the second one is to speak up for the truth when we have those opportunities, like I, I mentioned from James, to, to bring him back. If somebody's wandering away from the truth, usually it's, it's, that would apply not so much to the leader who is, who's bound and determined to lead people astray, whether willingly or, or knowingly or unknowingly, but, but 
some younger Christian that is being sidetracked, right? To help somebody who's young in the faith that is getting sidetracked. I remember, uh, and I mentioned this uh, a few weeks back about, you know, getting involved in the the deliverance, quote-unquote, ministry and getting, you know, sidetracked into that. Well, there was a a believer uh, who is a pastor. His name was Bill Goodrich, and he, he... took us aside and he said, listen, I want to explain to you what this is and what this is all about and and what it isn't. And he really helped us. We had the courage because of his input in our lives to, to say to this group, you know what? We're not going there no more. We're not going to this extreme, you know, and, and, and it was a lot like that. We've got the, we got the special knowledge of how to deal with the devil, Right? the secret knowledge, and, and you've got to learn from us, and, and, and that's a whole thing. But, but because somebody, you know, cared enough and, and took us aside and said, we want to help you, it made a huge difference, huge difference. So for you and I, maybe to, to share with somebody, to speak up for the truth, to contend for the faith. Peter said this, in his last words, in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, Be on your guard, dear friends. He says, Since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. And then those words that, that many of us have memorized and know, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. That's how Peter ends his words. Listen, grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Very important. So to guard the truth, the, you know, that, that's the number one thing that he's talking to, to Timothy about here. And you and I need to know the word and, and to, to guard the truth that God has given to us, the faith that has been delivered once and for all and trusted to you and I as the saints. We need to stand up for the truth, what, what God's truth is. Now, again, there's a principle there that if God entrusts us with something, we need to guard it, we need to take care of it. And, and there are a few other areas that I just want to talk about today. And, and the second one here is, is Timothy's call to serve. And for you and I, God has called each one of us to serve to be servants. And it's something that God entrusts to our care. He gives to us gifts. He gives to us a calling. He gives to us some way that he wants us to uh, to be uh, serving him. And so for you and I, we need to guard that. We need to watch over it. We need to use it, of course. One of the best ways we can guard what he's given to us is to use it, right? Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God that was in him. Stir up the gift. Don't just you know, put it aside. Watch out and pay attention to it. Because I do believe that each one of us has that calling. Has gifts that God has given to us. I guess the question is, what are we guarding against? If, if God's given us each a calling and a, and a purpose and gifts, what are we guarding against? Some of the things came to my mind. Uh, distractions. Apathy, fear, that probably should have been number one. 
Timothy, you know, Paul writing to Timothy, he said, you know, that he was pretty fearful. God has not given us a spirit of fear, he told Timothy, right? But a power, you know the rest? Power and love and a sound mind. So, so we need to guard against things like fear, like discouragement. Discouragement, you do it once and you get discouraged. Well, I'm not going to serve anymore. No, if God's given you a gift and a calling, you need to be diligent. You need to show up. And that's what we've been saying for years and years. It's required that those who have been given a trust, what? Must prove faithful. If he's given us, he's entrusted to our care. If, if we've been given a trust, we need to be faithful and show up. Just show up and see what God will do. He's not going to leave you on your own. He won't. He's going to give you what you need, as we've already discussed. I don't usually read poems, but I kind of like this one. Short little poem by uh, a man I've never heard of before. And back... Uh, the late 1800s. He says this, Is your place a small place? Tend it with care. He set you there. Is your place a large place? Guard it with care. He set you there. Whatever your place it is, not yours alone, but His who set you there. Is that cool? Whatever your place is, if it's large or small, it's your place, but it's also his place because he put you there. Guard it. Guard it with care, he says. The third thing uh, is this, that Timothy's walk with God, and, and I think he's discipling Timothy. He's been talking about, you know, the things that I've shared with you, I want you to share with other people, that they can share with other people. We'll see that in 2 Timothy but, he, but it's, a, it's about a personal relationship. And, and I love what Paul talks about in, in Philippians. He says, you know, that, that uh, knowing Jesus, that's the most important thing. The greatest thing in all the world is knowing Jesus and, and having this personal walk with him. And I really believe that you and I, it's been entrusted to our care, this relationship that we have with him, and we need to guard it. You need to very carefully guard this relationship, your walk with Jesus. You know, we, we, can, we can ask the question, what's that noise? Do you hear that? Yeah. Am I hearing things? Yeah. We, we ask this question, how's your walk? When we kind of, we have a relationship with somebody and we can talk to each other, like honestly, well, how's your walk? Because we need to ask that question. Well, how is your walk? What, what kind of a walk do you have? And when we talk about this word walk, it's a kind of a Christian slang term. But it comes out of the Bible, you know, that we walk. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. But, you know, so we have this walk that, that um, it, you know, what's our relationship with him like? Is there, is there like, is it an ongoing thing? Is it like a daily basis? You need to guard those things. No one else is going to guard your walk for you. You know, no one calls me up and say, hey, how's your walk? And like, uh, you know, are you still in the word? You know, the, believe me, uh, you know, whether you're a pastor or not a pastor, there's a lot of pastors out there that get up and preach every Sunday and they don't even open the Bible for themselves at all, ever. Say, how could that be? Yeah, uh-huh. That's what happens. 
How's your walk? Are you, are you talking to God on a, on a daily basis? Do you have a walk? Is, what's it like? Is it, is it growing? Are you learning? Like Peter said, are you growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus? You've got to guard that. Let me tell you what. You have to guard that. I have to guard it for myself. You, no one else is going to do it for you. Even if they ask you, how's your walk? What are you going to say? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. You're going to say that. Oh, good. Yeah, thanks. Now, can we change the subject? If you really care about somebody, you might need to talk about that. It's worth more than silver or gold. It really, really is, you know. It's a, it's a relationship that's been entrusted to our care. I love what uh, Lloyd Pulley told us at a huddle that we had years ago. He, he was talking about his own devotions, his own devotional time in life. He, he, says, he, says this, he says this, that it's non-negotiable. I've never forgotten that. There's certain things you remember. Even after you're 60, you can still remember certain things. <laughs> And I remember that he says it's non-negotiable. No, this is a time, I don't care, he is a pastor of thousands of people. I have a relationship, my own walk with God that I, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. First and foremost, I have a walk with him that I got to, I need to be in the word. I need to pray. I need to have a walk that's real. Because if you don't, if you don't have a walk, what are you going to give? What are you going to give? You don't have anything, what are you going to give? You have nothing to give. It needs to be protected, really, from, from some of the same things we already mentioned, distractions, laziness. But I like what it says in Proverbs. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You've got to guard your heart and your walk and your heart and this relationship you have with God. The fourth thing, and we're just about out of time, the fourth thing that we need to watch out and guard over is our relationships and our families especially. We need to guard over them. No one's going to come in and do that for you. I can't do that for you. i got to guard and watch over my own family. That's my job, each one of us, to guard over and to, and to pray for and, 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 and make sure that we're staying. It's been entrusted to our care. We're taking care of what God has given to us. It's not always easy. We could do a whole message about that, and, and perhaps we will at some point in time. But to sum up, again, guard what's been entrusted to our care. Guard it. Like that military uh, sentry, like the shepherd watching over a flock, these things that God has given to us, the truths of the faith, the call on our lives to serve, our walk with God, our relationships, and our family. The letter ends here back in 1 Timothy 6. He ends with grace be with you. We need the grace. Peter says grow in grace. We need God's grace totally, completely. I want to end with a, with a verse that kind of this, this kind of turns it around. Now, we've been talking about guarding what God has entrusted to us. Right? But I want to turn it around here and I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. You'll see what I mean when you look at the verse. He says, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced 
that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. You see, we guard what's been entrusted to us, but you know what? Ultimately, it all gets back to him anyways. And we entrust these things to him, and he is able to take care of the things that we entrust to him. We entrust to him his word. Is he able to take care of his word? Yes, he is. We entrust to him our very lives, our walk, our hearts. Is he able to take care of those things? Yes, he is. Our families, those areas of serving that we have. Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day, to the very end. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's with us to the very end of the age, it says in the book of Acts. He's here by His Spirit. He's here with you. He wants to help you. He wants to take each one of us down that path. So let's keep our eyes open, okay? But knowing this, that His eyes are always open. He never slumbers, never sleeps. When you and I, that's another story. But with His help, we can do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this book of Timothy. I pray and hope that each one of us, as we have looked at so many of the lessons in here too, that you'll raise us up to to serve you just like Timothy was serving you. That you'll help us, Lord, because we don't have it. We do not have it. What do we have? A couple of fish, a couple of small fish and some loaves, tiny loaves. And what, what, what can we do? What do we have to offer? Not much. But yet, you can take what we have and multiply it and use it for your glory. For your honor. Lord, use us, we pray, Lord. This is a very dark and scary world. But we have the light of the gospel in our lives. We have the light of life. We have Jesus. Pray you would embolden us. God, I really, really pray that you'd embolden us to to let the light shine in this dark world. The people that we run into, we run up against in this world all around us, Lord. That Jesus, you would work through us and, and use us, Lord, to be lights in this dark world. Because your light is shining inside of our lives. Father, I pray here this morning as well for for any who might not know you. Maybe that's you this morning while we're praying. You you feel like you're lost. You don't have any light. You don't have any life. Maybe someone listening to this program. Maybe maybe someone who just needs to, to know that God loves them. Maybe that's you. I want you to know God loves you. He, he sent Jesus to die for you. And he's giving you his life. And all you have to do is is say yes and and believe and receive. Simply pray and call out to him and call on the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm lost. Save me. Forgive me. I need hope. I need help. And I thank you, Jesus, that you will give to those who truly call to you. You you hear that cry. 
You hear all of our cries, all of our prayers. And we thank you for that. Pray that you'd help us this Thanksgiving, maybe to be that little light. Maybe to to share a prayer at a, a table that prayers are never shared at. Give us boldness to suggest, hey, I could maybe say a prayer. Give us boldness, courage, Lord, to be lights of, of thankfulness to the life that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?